Lord, may the words that come from my mouth make sense because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please be seated? When it comes to Easter Day, there is a fair bit of pressure on the preacher. Today, I preach to more people than I do on any other Sunday throughout the year. And on any other day, maybe with the exception of Christmas Day. As an integral part of our faith story, Christmas is, and as important as its message is, the church has always been about Easter. So I have to get this right. I know some of you have risen to the challenge that I issued last Sunday and done Holy Week hardcore and have been at multiple services already this week. I have to make sure that it all comes together for you and it ties together to end your Holy Week journey. There are some here this morning who've only been able to make today's service. And so I'm expecting that you're expecting to be met with a profound but succinct and not too long message that sums it up neatly. There's pressure to reinvigorate the regulars, to inspire the visitors, and to invite the disinterested and the doubting to be included. I am blessed in this particular church to have amazing preachers and a great selection to choose from. But at the end of the day, I'm the one who's responsible for leading this church. And if I went somewhere else on Easter Day and the main person wasn't preaching, then I would feel shortchanged. I know that we do have many mature Christians. Uh, Many have studied theology. So it's important that what I say is both theologically sound, but insightful enough to challenge the most learned amongst us. I know that believing in the resurrection can be a big leap of faith. And I know that there are some here this morning that are yet to be convinced that it happened the way that it's written in the Bible. And there are others who are completely convinced that the way that it happened in the Bible didn't actually happen at all. So there's pressure on me to defend my point of view and to convince you to believe what I believe. We advertise a theme each year, so I have to make sure that I keep our office staff happy and link my theme with what's been publicised out there. And I always try and find something quirky or a hook to hang my message on so that you can take home and remember what I've said. If I'm honest, I always want my Easter message, whether I'm giving it or whether I'm hearing it, to be memorable. Why? Well, again, if I'm really honest with myself, if you aren't coming to church and you live locally, I'd love for you to call this your church. If you do call this your church, 
I'd love you to be coming more regularly, more involved and more active in the life of our church. If you feel like you are already active and involved, I'd love you to step it up a whole nother level. If you're visiting from out of town, I'd love you to go home inspired enough to find a church to connect to or connect on a deeper level to the church you're already involved in. Easter is the shop front window of the church where people can see us at our best. All the good things that we have to offer. The potential within our community that's only realised when those who don't normally come to church finally realise what they've been missing and come and make it all right. As I was contemplating this strategy mingled with the pressure this week, I was struck with how superficial that seemed. I would really love you to leave this church with words saying, oh, that was awesome, great message, I'll be back next Sunday. But that's my agenda. Maybe I'm maturing. Maybe I've been convicted of superficial approaches in the past. Maybe I'm more aware of the decline in the level of trust that people in the community have in both the church and church leaders like me. Maybe all of the above. But I've been prayerfully reminded this week that it's not actually my job to convert or to convict you. I do understand that sometimes I'm privileged to play a role in the process, but it's God at work in and through God's people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit that are the tools that God uses. It's God's work and your response that leads to conversion, to conviction, to inspiration, to deepening of faith and to transformation. So in that sense, the pressure's off me. And I think the best thing that I can do this morning is to share with you what the resurrection means to me. Why I think it's important for the church that I lead. And invite you to respond in ways that have nothing to do with my personal agenda for church growth and success. Personally, I'm convinced that the scriptures have it right. Not because I believe that within the pages of this ancient manuscript is scientific irrefutable proof, but because I've read it, I've weighed it up, I've considered it and I believe it and my faith has grown because of it. I mean, one of the things that always tips me over the edge is that if you were trying to convince somebody to believe in something that didn't really happen the way that the person wrote it down, then you would not ever write the Bible the way it's been written. 
particularly this passage that we've just heard from Luke's gospel. In that first century Jewish patriarchal culture, it would be ludicrous if you were trying to convince somebody that something is true to have the first witnesses as women. I know it might sound outrageous in our day, but in Jesus' time, women were not trustworthy. There's many jokes that I could make, and I will not make them, because I'm a wise man. Sometimes. <laughs> Interestingly, in, when the, the women come back uh, to the disciples, as Luke tells us, the disciples, the men, think what they're saying is just idle talk. But if we go back to the original Greek, that can be translated as nonsense or silly talk. Again, there's probably jokes I could make that I'm resisting. I mean, if, Jew, if Luke was trying to convince Jewish male society that this was the truth, then why wouldn't he just skip to the bit where the men went to the tomb and believed? That would be much more convincing. In that society, he left something that actually created doubt and disbelief. Nobody in Jesus' group of followers expected that he would die the way that he did. In hindsight, they went back and listened back in their hearts and their heads of what Jesus had said and did remember that Jesus had said a number of times that this was going to happen this way. And certainly nobody expected him to come back from that unexpected death in such an unexpected way. And while there were people in Jewish culture who believed in resurrection, their understanding of resurrection was it was something that was going to happen at the end of time. Not there and then. If it was to happen here and now, then time should end. So if Luke was trying to convince the resurrection-believing Jewish group of people, then he'd have much more luck sticking to the expected outcome and building a story around that. And a lie or a made-up story is not something I believe that thousands of people would die for. And all of those who witnessed the resurrected Christ and who were martyred for their belief died confessing Christ crucified and resurrected. So on an intellectual level, that convinces me. I mean, I'm no martyr, but it would be ludicrous to commit myself to go the enormity of the week that I've just been through if I didn't believe it and I didn't think that it was worth it. But where I see the real worth is not in the intellectual understanding, but in the relational and the spiritual revelation. The resurrection is not the end.
I believe that believing in Jesus gives me access to resurrection when I die. But I don't have to wait until I die until, uh, to experience that resurrection. I've seen it relationally and spiritually. I've experienced it personally. Resurrection can and does start here and now for followers of Jesus. The cross only makes sense in its completion when you consider what happens next. And the resurrection is the same. It only makes sense when you consider what happens next. And the what happens next is the same for both the cross and the resurrection. And that is transformed and transforming lives of Jesus' followers. Hope comes to life where there's been none. And that hope can spread like a contagion through the words and the works of hopeful people. While I did not personally see Jesus in the resurrected flesh, I have witnessed a relationship with Jesus resurrecting me and resurrecting countless others over and over again. So leading a church that believes that the resurrection is both a present and a future reality is not only being faithful to the final commandment of Jesus, but it's the only way that the church makes any sense and makes any difference in the world that we live in in 2019. I don't believe the church is owed its place in society. Nor do I believe the church is owed a voice. I think we've benefited from significant cultural preferment in our history. So much so that it's made us susceptible for pursuing comfort and our own self-agenda. Instead of doing what we should have been doing all along and pursuing the kingdom of God first. We cannot be content to just wait and wait it out until we die with the knowledge that it's going to be all right in the end. If we do that, our church will die with us. Now, I don't believe that will happen because we're promised that the rocks will cry out if we, we don't. And wherever churches are declining, there's another story that another church uh, is growing. But the witness that the church and the people in the church have is the only definitive proof that anyone outside the church has. Who else will explain Scripture to them? I do know some people who have found their way to a relationship with God by in their own strength and on their own merits, just picking up a Bible and starting to read it. But they are the exception. And I don't know any of them that have stayed in a relationship with God without the support and love of a Christian community. But I know countless more who have developed a relationship with God because of the faithful witness 
and service of another believer. My access to resurrection was through the witness of my parents and my Christian friends. I do find hope in this building. But the only reason I find hope is because we are building up our people in their faith, confidence and understanding of the resurrection so that they can do something with it. Christians do get passionate about our buildings, particularly when they are damaged, uh, like the, the horror of the Notre Dame uh, Cathedral recently. But the reason behind the passion is never the bricks and mortar. It's because of the hope that's been generated in those places and continues to be. Buildings are not in and of themselves hope generating. The hope of the church is, was and always will be in the hope that is nurtured, encouraged and multiplied in the lives of the people who gather in our buildings. Whatever they might look like. And even if they don't, happen to be buildings. And those people are sent out from those places. Otherwise, they're nothing more than monuments and impressive architectural designs, remnants of a time gone by when people used to have hope. The power of the Christian faith has always been personal encounter and personal transformation. The good news of Easter is there's something in it for me and there's something in it for you. But that something is a hope that we just can't hold on to and selfishly possess. It has to be shared. I wonder if you know that hope. I wonder if you know it well enough. Did you have that hope? And for some reason that hope has dimmed. There's no pressure. This is not a sales pitch. But there is hope in the resurrection. I believe it. I've seen it. There's hope enough for me and there's hope enough for you and there's hope enough for the whole world. I pray that as God makes available to you this hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you might find the conversion, conviction, inspiration, deepening of faith and transformation that is only possible when my words fade away and all that remains is the open arms of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.